All right. Welcome to episode five of the Berean Bible Prophecy Podcast. This is Bob McLaren in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, episode four, I left you with a possible title for the next episode, which would be observations and questions. And I want to throw out a couple of observations in a study I did the last couple of days and then leave you with a single question that I've been chewing on for about a year now. And I'll, I'll give you my best answer for myself. I'm still not completely settled with that answer. But anyway, leading off a little background I want to touch on the pre-trib rapture because I believe it is the weakest supported of all the rapture theories slash models. And it's based on, from what I see, based on uh, two assumptions. The first one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, for God has not appointed us under wrath. And the... Uh, The second point being point one is only valid if the whole 70th week of Daniel, also known as to pre-tribbers, the seven-year tribulation, point one is only valid if that whole seven years is wrath and by inference, God's wrath. And uh, I think there are multiple ways to disprove that um one of the first reasons that came to my mind were the first four seals of revelation if the first four seals of revelation are god's wrath which are earthquakes famines plagues the uh white horse and rider that uh comes out in seal one How would the world ever know, how would the world ever know that that is God's wrath based on those events? Earthquakes, famines, plagues, which happen today, uh, no doubt they will be magnified as we grow closer to the 70th week. But there's no, there's nothing in them that would alert the world to wake up, um, A second point would be, and this one's about impossible to get around, at the fifth seal of Revelation, there's an innumerable multitude of martyrs which cry out to God under his altar asking him, when are you going to pour out your wrath? When are you going to take vengeance on our behalf? And if the whole 70th week, also known as the seven-year tribulation, a, a terrible assumption there if that's the case uh if this is god's wrath then he is responsible for the destruction of his own martyrs by the millions by the millions because we're told this is going to be greater than anything we've ever seen and uh we know initially it's it's attempted at the jews it fails and then the uh, son of perdition, the Antichrist, he focuses his attention on the church and uh, wears it out. 
definitely uh, he will he will produce many martyrs and and many uh, many also will apostatize. I, I won't throw many in, but we'll say the great apostasy that we've covered in earlier times, earlier episodes. Um, and then another point: God's wrath is announced at the sixth seal. And then it's poured out on the seventh. I mean, it's fallen us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? That's Revelation eleven seventeen. So I just believe there are many ways to, to disprove the pre-trib rapture. And everybody that I've ever seen attempt to defend it always goes back to those first two points. God's not appointed us to wrath. Nobody argues that. And then the second one, which is one is built on that false assumption that the seven year week is the whole tribulation. When, when you look at scripture with open eyes and a heart that is hungry for the truth, you will see that the tribulation begins, the great tribulation begins at the abomination of desolation, which is the midpoint or a day or two after the midpoint. And uh, I believe we covered the last episode. It, it says that it's cut short or else all flesh, uh, forgot the exact wording, but all flesh would be lost or something like that. So, God himself cuts off that tribulation. So we know his wrath is not in that. And it, it would, by logic, it wouldn't precede any of those seals. So the, uh, the abomination is the fifth seal. So it's kind of hard to get around that. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Uh, the study that I did, which will lead to the question that I have at the end, uh, in times past when I was reading Paul and looking for other things, one of the things that I noticed is he will repeat himself almost verbatim in certain topics. And one of the things that I found was that uh, he repeats himself with a phrase of, uh, children of stubbornness or unbelief or disobedience. And you'll find it in Ephesians 5, 6, let no one be seducing you with empty words, for because of these things, the indignation of God is coming on the sons of stubbornness. And then almost word for word in Colossians 3, 6, is because of because of which the indignation of God is coming on the sons of stubbornness. And the context for each of those in Ephesians and Colossians is Paul says, hey, stay away from this list of behaviors because you don't want to be numbered with, ultimately, these verses, the sons of stubbornness, sons of uh, unrighteousness, children of unrighteousness. And I'll also tell you that in that study, the Greek word for, uh, I believe the word is, uh, the phrase is 
children of disobedience. The, the Greek word is the same for disobedience and unbelief, which makes perfect sense. Because when somebody's blind, they're going to walk in their own way. I mean, we've lived this way. Paul testifies to that. And until Christ gives us a new heart and, and we are found in Christ, nothing's going to change. Not by will of man, but by the will of God. So anyway, I want to, right now I want to read uh, seven verses uh, on a study that I did on wrath. Because when I started seeing this children of indignation or the coming indignation of God, I wanted to get a context for it. And, uh, and then I'll leave you with the bigger question. So Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And that phrase, truth, hold the truth in unrighteousness, that'd be a great study as well that I've got on my list. Uh, Romans 2, 8, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. He's saying that's the result of not obeying the truth and obeying unrighteousness. Uh, Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I want you to put that one in the back of your head, Romans 5, 9. That one's going to be key to a point I want to make later. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's another key one, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. Then I'll repeat Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one be seducing you with empty words, for because of these things, the indignation of God is coming on the sons of stubbornness. Colossians 3, 6. Because of which the indignation of God is coming on the sons of stubbornness. And then Ephesians 2, 3. In which you formerly lived according, according to this world's present path, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience, that phrase again, among whom all of us formerly lived out our lives in the cravings of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So what I was trying to get a, a picture of was uh, I wanted to see how Paul uses the word wrath and the context that he uses it so that I could take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5.9 For God has not appointed us unto wrath. And uh, I'll go ahead and jump to my conclusion because what I wanted to know was was Paul even talking about the tribulation in First Thessalonians 5, 9 were not appointed under wrath. I don't even think he was. I, now, if you look at First Thessalonians, the first 
six or seven verses, First Thessalonians 5, I'm sorry, the first uh, chunk of that chapter, he is talking about the end, end time and things that are coming and all that. But when you look back at Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, I would submit to you that he is just revisiting former thoughts just like he does in Ephesians, Colossians, uh, three times about the phrase sons of disobedience, children of wrath, sons of stubbornness, that kind of thing. And let me reread Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. Uh, this is Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If you read that in Rome, even without the context, it clearly shows Paul was not even talking about end times or tribulation or a church that uh, would be raptured out and spared God's wrath uh, because they are the church. Romans 5, 9 is just a statement. It's just a fact that if you're in Christ, you're not going to endure wrath. That wrath being a, a, a coming judgment. And when you reread all of these verses and you see the ones, and I, I would encourage you to go back and look at all these, but when you see that phrase, the coming indignation, I saw that about a year ago or two. And what I started looking at was coming indignation. Is he talking about the tribulation uh, and uh, see, I even fall for it. I want to say the 70th week because the tribulation isn't the, the seven years. The tribulation is that pocket of time right at the midpoint where Christians will be persecuted. The rest of it is after that is God's wrath. Now, I would even argue prior to that, it the birth pangs, are not Satan doing anything. I mean, he's not creating earthquakes, I would contend. I think it's just God's shaking. It's beginning the judgment of all things. And he's shaking this world, this world physically, spiritually, corporately. He's going to shake every religious structure, including Christianity or, or cult from top to bottom. Every, every corporate structure, uh, he's going to shake nature. We've, we're already, I think we're already seeing uh, foreshadowing of that. And then spiritually, I mean, we are, or we will ultimately see the outpouring of uh, the greatest outpouring of uh, demonic attack, uh, which is uh documented in the Revelation 12 sign where it mirrors the midpoint where Satan is kicked out of heaven and uh, takes a third of the angels with him. Uh, at least that's what context appears to show. But uh, So if you reread all of Paul's discussion about a coming indignation, I submit to you with, if you look at it with open eyes and and you really honestly want 
to get to the truth, he's not talking about the 70th week. He's talking about judgment. Because this leads to my question that I will leave you with, uh, which is going to answer itself, I think. Uh, And this is it. If God pours out his wrath at the end of the age, why does most of humanity escape this most fearful display of all time? Because the description we're given is it is going to be horrific. Men will fear for their lives. They will try to take their own lives at some point deep into the 70th week and will fail. They will hide themselves in caves, trying to hide themselves from this outpouring of wrath. And let me repeat it. If God pours out his wrath at the end of the age, why does most of humanity escape this most fearful display of all time? And last night I Googled how many people around the world die. And if my memory serves correct, per day is what I'm looking at. Uh, 150,000 people around the world die from various reasons, you know, sickness, uh, war, famine, you name it, disease, it's all out there, murder, Um, 150,000 people a day are dying. Now, I could easily make the case that of that 150,000, there's probably some pretty evil people that deserve a horrific judgment. We know there's, and we're all, look, we're all sinners, but given that 150,000 average Joe schmucks that die every day, there's a percentage that are abusers and pedophiles and murderers that have that have never seen uh they've never been captured by authority or or dealt with by government authorities to serve some type of judgment in the physical world so we assume we will all be judged for our benefit uh, believer and unbeliever but uh, we're talking about we're talking about, let's talk about evil people, and I'm not saying 150,000 evil people a day die, but of that, some percentage are passing away every day. Why has God reserved the worst of the worst of the worst? 100-pound hailstones, and we're taking this literally because we have no reason not to. Mountains moved, mountains leveled, mountains leveled, people Longing to crawl into caves for fear, trying to take their own lives for fear, men's hearts failing them for fear. Why does the average Joe passing away miss it? Now, you could say, you could argue, yeah, but they're still going to be judged later. Well, the people in the 70th week are going to be judged later as well. So, why does a guy today or tomorrow get off? who's potentially just as guilty as somebody whenever the 70th week happens and the end of the 70th week, 
these events start happening at the seventh seal, the trumpets and bowl judgments. And I'm still looking for a solid answer, but here's here's the only thing that has satisfied me for now, and I'm not I don't stand on this. This is just my own private interpretation until I find a better answer in scripture. And that is, it is because this group of humanity that remains in the 70th week will have become so evil and violent that they will deserve this great outpouring of wrath. Let me say that again. It's because this group of humanity that remains in the 70th week will have become so evil and violent that they will deserve this great outpouring of wrath, which we know as the day of the Lord. Now, we can look out, we can look at our neighbors, and we just don't see that type of behavior yet. We, we are seeing it and uh, hinting back to lawlessness episode where we, where I talked about you know, the days are growing darker as far as it used to be that, you know, you kind of brought trouble on yourself. So if you went down to, uh, you know, go out west, you go out to the local saloon and start cheating in a card game and fighting the guy next to you. It's your own fault if you get taken out back and beat up. But we're seeing a time now where the innocent are being are being attacked and abused, grandmas, children, uh, outrageous stuff, just for the fun of it in broad daylight. So I'm curious what answers you might come up with. This is the only one I've got for now until I see stronger scriptural evidence. Uh, I say stronger because this one, I have no scripture to point to. This is just a hunch. Um, but I'm, my hunch is based on the flood of Noah, where uh, I believe the the scripture or the phrase that's running in my head, every thought was continually evil or or violent. I'm I'm not sure what the I believe it's evil uh, there in that phrase. So that's what I've got for now. Uh, sorry it. Took a little while to get this episode out. Had to get to a place where it was quiet and having microphone issues, which I hope that this newbie has now solved. Uh, Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for being here with me and open eyes and ears. I pray that uh, God is giving you sight into things that, let's face it, there, there aren't many people even looking for his return, even within the church. And uh, so this community is critical to share information. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. God bless.